I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 266 with Dylan Earth. Today we talk about human design and the age of the sleeping phoenix. Well met, Dylan. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Most definitely. I'm glad we could get you on here. I know we've been kind of in communication for a hot minute. I actually just looked at your chart for a second. Your Jupiter's at six, uh, your north nodes conjunct my Jupiter at 16 degrees Aquarius. Huzzah. And Raphael's nice. got a north node in Aquarius also. So it's like we're all pushing this, you know, new age that's coming in. Um, so we'll definitely get into that uh, uh, Sleeping Phoenix illusion that you mentioned earlier. Um, we've had Richard Rudd on. I think I've read that in Gene Keys and the whole 2027 thing, but you can totally go any which way you went on that. I digress. Gemini Life. Um, it being the 266th episode, something we do here is uh, numerologically reduce the episode number or something I do. Um, so that's 14 and then one plus four is five. So today's episode is brought to you by the Hierophant card or the high priest card. Uh, in this is about taking care of spiritual knowledge, teaching others what, you know, shocker, uh, awakening to a greater understanding of the world and paying attention to the details. Raphael, what card are you pulling? We have got, it is the, you got to tell us <laughs> eight of one. Eight of ones. All right. So we nice. got speed Make activity, swiftness as that of an express messenger, great haste, great hope, the arrows of love. So I'm curious, Dylan, between the Hierophant and the Eight of Wands card, if anything's synchronizing with you, popping up in your subconscious, anything you want to spit on? Oh, yeah. Definitely <clears throat> have connected to a lot of past lives in the priesthood. Egypt, Atlantis, Lemuria, um, you name it. I go way back in those ancient civilizations. And so coming into this lifetime, I feel like that's why I have such an affinity for occult knowledge, um, whether it was, you know, starting out with just tarot as a kid or getting into astrology in my teens and then finding human design at around 21 years of age. It's almost like it was already in my genes to understand this stuff and to be able to communicate it. So definitely feel resonance with the Hierophant. Almost to the point where a lot of times when I'm thinking about that energy, I'm like, what is Hierophant again? It's like almost like a get overlapped. So yeah. Yeah. And then um, with the Eight of Wands, I feel like I'm a Pisces, Jupiter is in Pisces, things are moving, the world is full bore in transformation mode and it just feels like yeah that's what's on the menu we out here i totally feel it and it's it's, it's a tricky time because um i don't know about you uh like i think you, we were talking a little in the 
green room or whatever, um, how you had been in Costa Rica. But I basically haven't, except for visiting my Nana for two weeks, a, a week or two ago in Alabama, Fairhope, Alabama, on the on the bay. Um, I've stayed in this valley, um, the Arkansas River Valley up in Colorado uh, for two years. Like I basically, except for Telluride, but that, I mean, I've stayed in Colorado, so I'm kind of getting irks, you know, I'm ready to roll. Like I used to be in Australia and Ecuador and Switzerland. So I'm kind of ready to do something again. Um, and that eight of wands is definitely resonating for me. And I do appreciate that you are a Pisces, uh, sun with a Capricorn moon. Um, you have a whole lot of six and seventh house energy. So it really does resonate. Like you're getting the channel knowledge and you're able to ground it, um, in a sense like that. Um, it's not, yeah. you know, um, I think he was a Virgo moon, uh, Terrence McKenna, but earth moons have this ability to kind of hold, you know, the craziest stories, you know, like channel it and then just like ground it in a really good way. So I appreciate that. Just looking at your chart. So, um, Raphael, I don't know if there's anything you want to spit on, on these cards or not. I want to give you an opportunity. Oh, well, thank you. I think you summarized it perfectly. Hierophant card, you said, you know, so that's an obvious one, of course, teacher help from above, you know, and the whole speed activity travel, actually eight of wands, you know, so that's maybe referencing also for you, you know, and the great change, you know, great haste, great hope, express messenger, you know, it's proper timing, I would say. I actually just bit, I mean, eight of wands, I, I tend to watch a lot of things on double speed on YouTube. <laughs> just it's like it just faster and I, as long as i have the subtitles i can handle it um and i just listened to a bunch of jordan peterson's psych 434 class and i'm not saying everybody you know go check them out because there's things you might disagree with politically or whatever but um very higher fan energy so i'm like very much in this mode of like what is the real situation how can we express it and articulate it how can we move the wheel forward kind of game of thrones style um because the changes are upon us and it's like what are you going to do? Like get hit by the bus? Are you going to drive the bus? Are you going to be a passenger? Like it's happening for sure. And I know that a lot of hype can happen in new age kind of communities. Um, just because we're so maybe in tune with the energy. I'm not even sure. Um, but we all, I think necessarily, especially, um, with the nodes recently shifting, I've got a North node in Taurus, Midheaven in Taurus. Uh, it feels just like it's time to time to step into the big cowboy shoes and do the thing it's like enough talk it's about praxis now and i think you know like you were saying um you've been kind of steeped in occult mysticism for your whole life in some degree which is really rad we'll get into that um it's one thing to know the path it's another to walk it and i think we're all starting to get called to walk it in a very particular way and that's kind of the dolores cannon split so to speak um so i digress you could be as long-winded or as short-winded as you want to be. Um, I'd love to hear kind of your story. But basically, you know, from single cell to where you are now is kind of how the process has gone. So give us a little cue into, uh, like, you know, a view into um, what kind of culture you were growing up in. When did you start turning on to things, like you were saying with astrology and tarot? Um, I'd love to hear, I mean, anything about past lives. We can kind of just go whatever informs who you are now through that process. And you can make it a very call me Ishmael kind of you know, lengthy hour long thing, or you can make it five minutes, whatever's clever, we can work with it. All right. Yeah. So where I feel like I want to start is just as a kid, inherently seeing how messed up things were. So having this awareness that people had something, I know, wrong with them, honestly, and that the ways that we deal with communication and emotions and victim mentality and projection like from the get-go i saw all of that in my family and the way that people go about life and so i always had this sense that there was a better way to do things and i just needed to find it you know i needed something to 
help structure and align myself back into what I had this instinctual sense was a correctness, like an alignment. So from an early age, I think I was just a very observant, sensitive person that didn't want to deal with a lot of the stuff that I saw people doing because I knew that it wasn't aligned in motivation. It wasn't aligned in consciousness. And yeah, my Capricorn stellium of six planets really giving me the stubbornness to be like, Mercury uh, conjunct North Node at 8th house Aquarius. It's like, you saw the schematic, you know, the fucking game, like you see it more yeah. than most for sure. Yeah. And so I think that kind of set up my intention just for my early life. So, you know, part of me was the people pleasing water sign that wanted to make my family happy and do all that stuff. And so I went on a very traditional structured track with my education, you know, through high school into the first couple years of college. But at that time, actually, I started to feel that drain on my soul that this was not going to ever work for me, that I couldn't force myself to be interested in these things that it's not that my mind already knew all this stuff. It just knew that it didn't want to know any of this stuff because it was much interested in something else, something broader, something more high vibration, just something that reminded me of like essentially where I came from, where we all come from, which is not as dense and mixed up as it is down here. So second year of college, I was literally just like, screw this. I cannot. What was your and major? At that same- I'm curious. What? Like, what, I mean, were you coming from like a hardcore Judeo-Christian thing and they were like, go be a lawyer? Or like, what was the concoction? It was basically you like, with? you're smart enough to save all the world, like to save the world, basically. It was the pressure that was put on me as a child. Like, oh, no. engineer That's the hard. perfect fuel source and save us from, you know, all this stuff. It was just like a lot of pressure to be this pinnacle being because I was a super smart kid and thus people, you know, they The Elon they Musk want- approach. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. You know, I was like taught investment at an early age. Like I was just brought into all these systems at an early age, again, very Capricorn. And it still wasn't quite that resonance that I knew that was mine. So when I would have a chance to go to the library in between classes in community college, I found uh, Carlos Castaneda's books. And it was like I was reading something of a memory where like I wrote down a dream and I was rereading it to myself. It just was so familiar. And so it made so much sense to me. The I, ethos, was literally, the I haven't mythology. read those books, but mm-hmm. I just, I have the PDFs, like his whole collection. I was looking through this old computer. I've got, it's like, Oh, I'll, I'll Carl Young, all Alistair Crowley, Timothy Leary, all this crazy shit. Uh, Phil, Phil K Dick. And I haven't read any of this stuff and Castanet is in there. So now I'm like, Oh, this is a little sink. I got to check that shit out now for sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm like, I've heard nothing but like this, like high weirdness really coming from that direction. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, I mean, the audiobooks are great too, just for reference. And it just opened up the awareness and like reminded me basically of the awareness of spirit, of energy, of how, you know, life is almost a it's, it's kind of a process of accounting almost, not to be super Capricorn, but you really have to manage your energy or else you lose a lot of energy. This world harvests us for energy, or at least the systems, the prevailing systems in it do. And so that just put me into such an empowered um, remembrance of that capacity to use our ability to witness and be, have that detached perspective. And basically, as they call it, 
like stalk, you know, reality and really see things for what they are and maintain your energetic boundaries. I mean, it just was like instant recognition. And that is actually a feature that happened a lot in my awakening process, um, even though I think awakening is a little bit of a buzzword and it's kind of cheesy. But um, the things that helped me remember who I truly am, it always seemed to come in this like sudden moment of recognition. It wasn't like, oh, I learned the whole system and then I had the breakthrough. It was like, nope, right then and there, I got it. It came through. It was just like, it was already in me and it came out. So anyway, Carlos Castaneda, basically reinforced what I had been feeling and seeing my whole life and basically put kind of the keys in my hand again in very hierophant style. And I had a father that was super obsessed with Native American shamanism, but because he battled so much with um, mental illness through my childhood, I always was like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to explore that. You know, it's just like the crazy stuff that my dad does. And he ended up like completely losing his mind and disappearing when I was 13. And so I had kind of like a tap, not a taboo, but kind of like just a bad taste in my mouth around anything of that nature. But it was like Carlos Castaneda brought it full circle for me. And from there, um, I quit school. I moved to Hawaii. I had no plan, not enough money. I was just hitchhiking, working on farms. I've lived on Oahu two years. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, just keep going. I was like, yeah. I haven't been there, been to Maui, but uh, the islands, man, you know it. The Aloha spirit, like, I don't know if it's the electromagnetic newness of fresh earth coming, you know, it's yeah. like volcanic or whatever, that but there's sure. something there. And it's, yes, it's postcard beautiful and all that shit, but it's like, there's a spirit there for sure, for sure. Anyway, yeah. keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. The spirit of the land is super intact. And so the magic there is strong, you know, for better or worse. So you have to come correct when you're relating to that place or else that magic will mess you up (laughs) but um yeah so i just took this leap of faith i knew that the track that i had kind of agreed to previous to that would never support who i truly was and yet the way forward was just kind of the open road so i followed my gut instinct which i would later find out was a huge part of my design and Through the next year and a half, I just traveled around Big Island, live in different communities, really just let that energy of the earth like suck away all that conditioning from the California lifestyle that I grew up in and really dominate, you know, letting that consciousness of nature itself dominate as opposed to all of the intellectual concerns and all the micromanaging. Like halfway through that trip, I lost the only phone I had, you know, I was like, taping up my shoes. It was very, very basic living, but I felt more alive than ever. And coming around to the end of that trip, there was a lot of sinks, as you say, about going to Kauai. So I just put it all on blackjack, used literally the last money I had to fly to Kauai with a tent and a tarp and with one contact on the island that I met in a Vipassana retreat on Big Island. And I just went for it. And that's really where I came into contact with what I now realize were my past lives in Lemuria, which was centered around the Kauai energy or the Hawaiian energy. And I had really crazy experiences there, um, kind of reliving this, this event that happened ancient, way, way, way back in our history, before recorded history, called the Ayani Massacre. And it was basically when some of the first seated physical embodied 
beings on this planet were like killed and basically harvested for their gene code so that another invasive species could hybridize and create bodies that they could incarnate into, into this time matrix. But that's a whole nother story. So anyway, I'm traveling. I'm done with it. it. My fiance and I are reading Voyager's material and all sorts of weird stuff. So it's like, I'm not against that by any means. I'm like, who the fuck knows? Especially if you do DMT and stuff, it's like, we know nothing. John Snow. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and just like having, I didn't even know about Voyager material at that time, but it's like in retrospect, I put the pieces together and it's been a long process of kind of re piecing back together, like the big story of our planet and past lives and all that. But anyway, in Kauai, I found human design as one of the last things that happened there. I was in like introduced by a guy I met on an Edie beach and he took me to his friends and his friend was a human design student and a projector. So really had a lot of passion for sharing the information with people. And as soon as I saw my chart, I was like, I don't know what this is, but that is me. That is definitely me. Just the shape, the color, the orientation. When I, you know, if you were to look at my chart, you would see it has so much openness in it. It just felt like an an innate resonance. And I was like, that's me. And I left that experience, kind of forgot about it for a couple months as I came back to the mainland and tried to reassimilate into like city world and then it just became like a secret obsession of mine to reverse engineer my human design chart and teach myself the whole system through my own design and so that was a process of me experimenting with my strategy and authority i'm a manifesting generator so that's waiting to respond to life really finding that deep cellular resonance with the things that are aligned with you and also with the things that are not and um I basically kept it to myself for seven years and just played with it and experimented right. with it and let it be a framework for my life. So Mercury and no shit there. It's like, oh, I'm going to hide this under a bushel for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. And I don't think that my like externalized speaking self, you know, was really ready to translate on that level yet. But through going through the process of picking apart my own conditioning patterns and my own, you know, epigenetic trauma and my own self-sabotage stuff and my own self-worth stuff. That's what actually allowed me to mine the vocabulary that I could use then to help another person see those things in their own life or in their own design. So it's like I had to, yeah, mine all the like raw material to then build this new spaceship that I was going to guide people on journeys with through human design. So uh seven years of trial and error and continuing to just stick with what really made sense to me and it was just you know an up and down thing just living life and working jobs i bartended lived in san francisco just was kind of living a very typical life and then in 2020 or in 2014 i fell off a third story fire escape in san francisco and shattered like a large portion of the bones in my face but didn't die And then had to have a through the wire experience where my jaws were wired shut for like four months, came back home to OC. And that's really when I saw uh, that I needed to just really commit to this stuff that really made sense and stop messing around with all this external energy, all this like emotional highs and lows and fun. Just it was a reorientation for sure. It was a new beginning for me. But it came through this like very, what? Not everybody's going to understand through the wire by Kanye West, but it's like, I appreciate the illusion. Oh, nice. Kanye's yeah. what's up. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that's uh, that kind of was the beginning of me, A, you know, looking for work basically that aligned with my spirit. And that's what kind of pushed me with some encouragement from a couple friends that I had shared human design with to just make a business, you know, make a set of business cards and hand them out. And I was still like waiting tables at the time. And if it felt right, sometimes I would just give people my card. And one day I booked my first reading and uh, the rest is history. So I've been developing, you know, frameworks that work with human design and gene keys and so i've done you know programs where i've just coached individuals through transformative process with that i've done groups and then i did a full-fledged like learn human design from head to toe academy twice in 2021 and that was quite a saturnian um, undertaking and so now i'm just moving into this more free open piscean uh, potential and also thinking about how I can help other people align their business and their career to their design. Cause I think that's a really powerful and very needed kind of concern right now. Given that Jupiter was an Aquarius in 2021, not surprising. You were kind of doing the whole deep dive, so to speak, and what you prefer. Um, there's something, yeah. I mean, I've got the human design book. It was so jargony i mean i don't know about Raphael, but yeah. some of my waking up process was very much like oh i'm eating acid when it was when i thought it was acid <laughs> i don't I've, I've had a weird as you heard uh foray into drug testing kits lately so i'm like oh shit catch out of the bag i didn't have what i thought in any event i started dosing a lot like once a week back in 2012 and i was like seeing astrology turning on to kaipacha lesher turning on to leo king and peace dealer and just random people and be like whoa like I can't unsee this as above, so below. But when I started looking at human design books, it's it's almost like it feels like Jordy LaForge manual stuff. I mean, it's no joke. It's 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 digestible. Um, it's grokkable. You can totally get it. But uh, one has to be in the right frequency and mindset and kind of persist with it. It's a, it's a dense pill to swallow for sure. Gene Keys is more like oh, just let it flow. Same idea with the other side of the coin kind of thing. Um, is that where you want to stop? I mean, basically, you got us up to now. Um, but what were you, were you uh, hosting the um, the two things in the past year, or were you a part of some academy or whatever? What, what was the? Oh no, like? yeah, I did it all myself. I, I created something that I call DNA Alignment Academy because mm-hmm. there's the side of me that works through human design and that framework, which is very very effective and precise, and that's why I love it, and so deep as well. And then there's the part of me that works, you know, there's like the star seed part of me that works with high frequencies from like the Syrian and Andromedan consciousness. And it all felt like it was actually pointing towards the same thing, which was aligning our DNA, you know, getting our core frequency um, back online so that we not only were able to function as truly aware beings, but also that the body is working correctly, the life is working correctly, and that all things are in alignment. So yeah, I created this academy that was a, with the intention that it could be a more digestible um, and more uh, just less crunchy version of human design uh, that was actually centered around my energy. So it's not just leaving people with information on a page, it's more circulating it through the group aura, actually, the codes themselves, rather than relying just on like teaching information. So yeah, we did that. Did your Capricorn moon feel it was a success? Like, did you enjoy it? 
Well, you know, it's hard to please a Capricorn moon because you really have to get 108% or better to feel like it was a success. Um, I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm We're glad I took the time to structure something so large scale for me and to churn out all that content because it wasn't my comfort zone. And I think it it was good in that sense for me to build something. Um, and then I know that everybody that went through that program at the very least took a step up in their experiment or in their knowledge. So in that sense, it was a success. Yeah. That's what's up. Uh, you're going to be naturally very critical. So I don't want to make you put this on your cockroaches too much, but uh, yeah, no, it's dope that you did that. I mean, you're, you're following, I, I mean, I don't know your human design. It's not a language I speak as fluently, but I was, I mean, looking at your chart, uh, your natal chart astro astrologically, um, which does tie into human design with the I Ching and all that. Uh, you're here to do some work, man, like clearly, and with others, like, you know, health of the mind and health of the body, but in relationship, it's not just this hermit mode thing. So it's cool to see that you kind of follow your, uh, you know, you're following the wind where it will where it will lead you, but at the same time, you're taking it seriously, because sometimes people, you know, they're just like, well, I'm going to go to Burning Man and do a bunch of drugs or whatever. It's like, that's like, I, I, I'm very much aware of what you're saying in terms of like um, Pinocchio, Donkey, Pleasure Island. Like that gets old after a while, even if they're entheogenic substances or whatever. Um, intention is really what's up, what's up at this point, and I think that's uh, what we're being called into for a lot of reasons. But hey, I ramble. Raphael, were you going to say something? Uh, speaking of substances, <clears throat> because I've heard differing variations of this, what is the version of the story that you know in terms of Ra Uruhu actually, let's say, publishing this material? If there's anything uh, you can share upon this. Because I've heard different variants. So, so what I understand is that the experience itself that led to human design coming into the world was the end result of a extensive process of loosening up his consciousness through the use of a lot of entheogenic substances. But the final actual event itself was not the byproduct of actually taking something. It was essentially an initiation from life itself. And when we look at Ra's chart, we can actually see that he was designed for that because he does have this 2551 channel of initiation, which it's a projected channel. So that means sometimes you just get grabbed by life and pulled into something. And as he said, he was dragooned or bamboozled into this um, role as the messenger for the human design system. And it was an extremely traumatic experience for him, I, I suppose, um, to have to carry that at first. And I think what I heard was that he actually destroyed a lot of the material that he first created right after because he was so overwhelmed or just kind of beside himself with, with what had even happened. And so, you know, we maybe some of us who have done entheogenic substances know what that kind of feels like. And, uh, yeah, so it was. I feel like it was very real. I don't think he was, uh, you know, lying about it being drug induced or something. Right, and also just why I'm mentioning this is, you know, it's nowadays especially incredibly difficult. You know, what can we truly be certain of? You know, um, however, still even here, this interesting correlation between basically some variant of channeling. I'm not sure if he would say it was galactic or whatever, but just like you said, and I have, you know made forays into similar lore and practices. And also to me, it's kind of interesting to see, just like you said, whatever it may be exactly, the positively aligned etheric beings tell you to align your DNA, you know, and do certain things. 
um, not you know be too toxic and whatever, and you know be be loving with yourself. And um, now I forgot the other example. Yeah, well, human design talks about it, you know. And there's just many apparently different sets of lore, all saying the same thing. Just like with the you know esoteric core of many religions pointing towards the same idea, which to me then just says no matter whether these exact descriptions are entirely correct or accurate or truthful, they all seem to be telling you to move into the same direction. Would you share that that view? Well, yeah, kind of going back to what I was speaking on as a child, it's like I've always seen that there's only one way to move and that's towards alignment. Exactly. And that's the other thing I briefly wanted to mention when you spoke about this. I was sitting here and like nodding because I had, I'm not sure about you, Jim, but I had exactly the same feeling, like without wanting to sound smart, but I always knew this is some kind of a repetition cycle. I'd done this before somehow. I don't want to have the same result this time. <laughs> it's going to be different this time. And also that basically when I look around adults, it's like an emotional battlefield. Probably that's also stuff that's in my astrology and human design as to why I say that. But also to me, it was perfectly clear. And then latest by 15, it was absolutely clear that this whole external structure must be 111% reformed if we are going to get anywhere, you know, so in terms of actual progress and love and enlightenment, you know. So, Jim, what about you? I'm curious. What was your I'm feeling as a child? It's just like, it's all fine, whatever. I think I was, I, when I think back about my childhood, there's like a lot, I think it's a lot of trauma. That's why I want to go do ayahuasca. It's like, I got to deal with some of this shit and it's just clogging up my pores or whatever's going on. Um, I would say there was a lot of disassociative enjoyment. It's hard to explain. I mean, being a Gemini is very, and with Jupiter and Aquarius, I think I was just trying to have the most electric fun possible and like, you know, figure out the game. It was more of a game. And then probably, I mean, I know I went through a clinical depression in seventh grade and was like, why am I here? That's when I got into music and Final Fantasy VII and some weird shit, like archetype and story more. Um, I don't think I can say that I felt the same way you guys did. I mean, there's like a the splinter in your mind kind of matrix quote where it's like something's not right, but I, being raised to Judeo-Christian, I was just like, well, it's a broken world. It's sinful. It's like, it's not exactly what we were expecting. So I think that kind of colored me. But now that I've kind of done enough trips um, had a lot of conversations with Raphael, read read enough. I've I've absorbed enough to realize there really is a, a natural orientation and a flow with the Tao that kind of works. And it gets tricky, um, you know, um ontologically or whatever, it's like how how are we to apprehend deviation if it's all a dream in kind of an Alan Watsian sense, um, and we're you know, in a Bill Hicks sense, we're just enjoying the ride. Like you know, it's like, you know, there's thrills and chills and all this shit, and it's like you know, we take it too seriously sometimes then you got to kind of dilate back um i think i was in that natural dilated space but when you start zooming in you start realizing there's karma and and actions matter and for a long time i just wasn't personally accountable i didn't give a shit i was like well i'm saved so i don't you know jesus saved me so whatever um so i don't i don't think i can ascribe to the same kind of um awareness that you guys were talking about but uh definitely i mean there's a whole spectrum i think i think that i don't, I don't need to get into the di you know dynamics are star siege or what is this but it's like i definitely feel part of a, an awakening of consciousness or a revolution in consciousness in the, in the past couple of years where in a sense trials and tribulations have formed us in very unique ways that are allowing us to kind of transcend the bullshit now um and show a way that wouldn't be possible if you're just totally in the system you know just eating you know fried pork all day or whatever um I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, no, I, I think you guys are probably to 
sound like weird. It's like, you guys are more woke. I've always said I'm groggy as fuck. It's like, I know I'm not asleep, but my eyes are not open. Like I'm kind of wiping the sleepies out of my eyes being like, what am I still dreaming? Like what's going on here? Like that feels more accurate to my experience than like hierophant, like, Oh, I've seen the burning bush and I know, or whatever that, that is. Like I, I haven't had as much of that. It's, and that's the harder part, especially, um, there are so many rabbit holes you can go down and they, not all of them are necessarily, it's good to explore uh, reality, but like there are necessarily like more different, like minds of Moria exist as opposed to like Lothmorians or whatever. Right. So it's like, holy shit, like d- different things, you know, the way you think about things is going to create different experiences. So I'm rambling, but no, I think I was less woke uh, than you guys. Maybe you guys are more George Harrison thing it the whole time, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, so uh, before I kind of just start buck shooting you with kind of questions and we can take this wherever, um, is there anything uh, – I'm curious, Raphael, because I haven't heard of this, but he just did Bufo, which is like a frog venom DMT. We're talking a little bit on theogens, and I mean people need to do their due diligence, go to Arrowhead, check out experiences and dosages and kind of figure it out for yourself. Don't just do it because the cool kids on the playground are doing drugs. Um if you and feel of course, ideally, especially with the, I mean, with anything, and it's always, you know, a matter of one's own discernment that ultimately everyone is responsible for themselves. However, of course, one can be very discerning also with, you know, potential teachers, uh, in this case, indigenous or whatever, to actually, you know, you, there is the possibility to do this with people that have very high integrity, the proper frequency, and actually have made it their craft for many years. And that's, of course, usually one could say the most, you know, safe setting, quote unquote, to do that, especially with something extreme like that. Just briefly before we go off the rails on that, and I'm glad to come come back to it because it all relates, is um, you, you mentioned 2027, just to come back to the title, The Age of the Sleeping Phoenix, right? And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is that even though I mention this every time, I certainly don't agree with many strange statements that Bashar has made recently. If you're familiar with Bashar, uh, channeled by Daryl Anka, Sasani entity, quite popular channel. Um, anyhow, but for a long time, he had also been speaking of the idea of humanity now being like a phoenix civilization. So the, the idea that we can rise rise from the ashes of the negative belief systems we have deconstructed. And also has had put forth a specific date of 2027 that he calls the contact fulcrum. And I just find it interesting that even here, the phraseology is somehow related, both the Phoenix team theme and the 2027 as an important uh, time marker. So again, I don't know what it means. I don't know if one's copied from the other, if it's some kind of a stream of frequency where similar information is coming across. But, you know, in, in a world where there's so many variables, all one can do is try to, you know, match whatever seems to line up and then, you know, deal with probabilities. And of course, you know, with one's inner authority, which I'm sure we're going to get to talk about as well. <laughs> I'll just say briefly, I, I imagine a tsunami is a, is, isn't a heart, you know, it's an event. When I was in Oahu, the whole Fukushima thing happened. So that was kind of gnarly. Um, but a tsunami happens in a seagull's perspective on the tsunami and a pufferfish's perspective and a human on the island, all very different perspectives on the same energy wave. And I think that's kind of probably what's happening where it's like, whether it's Hopi prophecies and the rainbow tribe or, you know, it seems like this is happening now. A concrescence, as McKenna might put it quoting Whitehead, um, of novelty is going to occur. And I'm not really looking forward now, ironically, to a singularity in a Ray Kurzweilian style. Like, I don't really want to get in a metaverse and disappear that way. Um, so it seems like 
whatever's happening is speeding up very quickly. And it, and it would seem, I mean, if you think, I don't know about you guys, but 2012 wasn't that long ago. And yet it feels like many, many snake sheddings ago in a lot of ways. It's like, holy shit, so much has happened. I, I Five years doesn't seem like that long, but that's going to take a hot minute to get there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but yeah, uh, you can have the conch, whatever you want to kind of say about the Phoenix stuff. I was going to ask about that later because we'll build to it, but we can punk, punch oh, that way. Sorry, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm jumping the queue. Like, so Dylan, yeah. it's up to you wherever you want to go or Jimmy. I, I, I don't no, know either way. Let it flow. Okay, well, let's just answer it because we're talking about it. So... <clears throat> Basically, since 1781, we have been living in a cycle. You know, we go through these basically consciousness programs every 400-ish years, and they set the background frequency for what the game is going to be in that time period. So have either of you ever seen that show from the 90s reboot where they live in I a know, computer? Oh, anyway, whenever it's something one. like the challenge would come, it would be like, warning incoming game and this giant purple cube would like descend upon wherever they were and change the environment and change the challenges and change their clothes so anyway kind of similar idea we have a new incoming game in 2027 and we're moving from where we've been 1781 to 2027 which has been the cross of planning so the cross of planning has had this really powerful tribal bond as part of the background frequency which is about exchanging energy and goods and services for resources and about making this really strong pact with the people that you're surviving with to always fulfill the role that you've signed up for lest you be kicked out of the tribe. It's also been a time of logic. Logic has dominated the cross of planning period and so has the need to find some kind of skill that you can represent yourself with. So these are kind of the, the four pillars of the cross of planning and it's what's given rise to the biggest population explosion that humanity has ever seen, perhaps, you know, as far as we know. And that's because the program itself was preparing for the change that's coming. And the change that's coming needed a lot of genetic material in order to allow a new mutation to come through. So 2027 brings with it the advent of a new kind of human consciousness, a new kind of format of the human species. And in human design system, they're known as the raves. So just like when Cro-Magnon kind of usurped Neanderthal and then Homo sapiens did the same thing to them, there were time periods where these different species or these different kind of editions of the human being were coexisting on the same planet at the same time. But there was a focus on the evolution, the next phase kind of taking over the old ones, whether that was through breeding them out of existence by assimilating them or killing them off or whatever, just them dying of natural causes. So now we're moving into this phase where this new kind of human is going to come through us. And the difference between us and them is that they have no motivation for survival. They do not care about the things that come with survival, like being action-oriented, by like being logical, like being prepared, like having the need to procreate so that we have more bodies to bolster the survivability of our tribe. All these things that are deeply wired into us as humans, even if we're a long way from their essence in today's world, will not exist in this new species or this new edition of human being. So the raves are bringing this new frequency onto the planet, and it's more about humanity being a vessel for consciousness itself rather than us being you know, these killer mammals. 
And that means that all the systems that support life on this planet are going to have to drastically change to adhere to the new frequency that's coming through these beings. The thing about the raves that's super interesting is that they do not have a singular consciousness. So we, I have a Dylan in a body, you have a gym, you have a body, and we're different, we're separate, or so it seems. With the raves, that separateness of identity doesn't exist. And so on their own, a single rave is like an inert being. They have no propulsion. They have no motivation. They're just a body with a consciousness in it, not hungry not horny, none of the things that we're used to being as the beings that we are. But when they come together in groups of three or more, and we already have aspects of this consciousness functioning through our bodies today in the way that we come together as groups and that group think kind of takes over in varying degrees and varying, you know, from a group of three people to a group of 5,000, whatever the case may be. But they're really being able to come online consciously as a group consciousness. So you take three raves that are not very, and they're just like vegetables basically on their own. They come together and they spawn a trans auric form. That means that their auras actually join together, form a new entity, and that entity itself is conscious. So the way that they are going to move through the world is going to be drastically different. The way that they acquire and manage resources is going to be drastically different. We don't know that how that's going to look. But what we do know is that post-2027, the program itself will be favoring them. And it will to us, it will be like, well... You guys had your time, you know, we gave you the system to carry you through the final days of your species. And if you're in alignment, you're probably going to make it. And if you're not, it's a free for all because literally the earth's energy grids will be more swaying to support the new life that's coming through. And just like evolution, sometimes it can be very cold. It can be very just the guillotine comes down and you're turned into compost for the next growth. So that's why so many of the major systems in our world are currently undergoing breakdown is because the background frequency that brought them into being is fading out and we're fading, we're sliding in gradient wise into this new sleeping Phoenix energy, which is not about the tribe. It is not about the bargain. It is not about logic. It's about individual spirit and individual survival and individual fertility, actually, because one of the factors of the changeover of basically the earth giving its energy emphasis to the raves and taking it back from the humans is we're going to be increasingly less and less fertile as a species because we're not being asked to procreate in the same way that we used to so there's all these vast implications for what's coming and the reason that i am passionate about human design in this moment is because the blueprint that you get your body graph is not just another way to classify yourself and another way to verify your experiences based on your attributes. It's actually a navigation tool to move through these times of increased chaos in a way that your body already has the coordinates to safety, to alignment, to the right alliances, to the right environments pre-programmed into it. But most people are making their decisions from the conditioning of their mind where there is no original thought. It is all simulated cognition. And so therefore, there is no original path to be found by following the mind. The mind can be a great passenger. And that's really something that I'm 
you know, coaching people in, in embodying more is that the mind is truly the passenger. The mind is truly the conduit for the consciousness or the soul to, ex to express itself and to commune with other souls. But it's not the decision maker. It's not the driver. That belongs to the body. And that's what your human design reveals. How do you uniquely navigate from this deeper embodied sense of alignment? Well put. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, and you don't have to make like strong predictions or anything like that, but um, you were talking more about an incarnational wave, it seems. So like a new wave. Uh, I mean, do you believe these are going to be humans and they just vibe at a different frequency and all that? Or is this going to be like what Raphael, I guess, was alluding to with the Bashar thing, where it's like we're making contact with a necessary other species or entity or however that might look? Um, how are you looking at this? Is it, like, how does this actually, I mean, clearly it's almost like a DJ at a rave or whatever, where it's like, this track and this track are not the same, but we're going to have this melting point and like they kind of fade in, you know, from one to the other. Um, how do you see that? And like I said, you don't have to think this is in stone. I'm just curious. Uh, how do you see that in relationship to, I mean, you kind of explained it, like we'll be guided to where we need to go. And if you're kind of not going to make the cut, it is what it is. Enjoy the ride and see you next time kind of thing. Um, but are you looking at it as like, Oh, there's a bunch of, you know, star seeds kind of being born and they, it's like humans doing this and it's just like a new type of human, or are you looking at it as, uh, so like, like a homo sapien incarnational thing, or are you looking at it as like an extraterrestrial other thing? I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, no, it's definitely a human incarnational thing. The way I think of it is we've had a mutation that's been cooking, you know, for the last 400 years, if not longer in the solar plexus center. So the, the main way that these new beings are going to change the way that we connect and operate and just what we conceive of as humanity is that the, aware, the solar plexus is going to transform from this place of desire and hope and pain and highs and lows and depression and just all these extremes basically of energy. It's going to change from that wave pattern that we're always transiting through and it's going to actually still the wave. So the solar plexus transforms from this churning hungry, horny, emotional desire engine, which it's had to be in order to burn through the necessary energy to make the transformation that's happening right now. And it's going to become a pure awareness center. So our physical brains, right? our physical brains don't have the bandwidth to process full spirit awareness. They just don't. They weren't built yeah. for that ever. So what's been going on in the background is that our gut brain has been preparing to be able to be the new you know hardware that's got the bandwidth that can hold this new expanded consciousness so it's like we're getting an upgrade essentially in our ability to actually hold our full consciousness and with that comes the sacrifice of we're not going to have the same survival hardware anymore we're not going to have the same need to kill and hunt and eat as much even it's going to be a very different way of moving through life and it's going to be through this group consciousness but it is it is a human it's humanity it's just the next step and no yeah. one's really here to tell us that that's coming um except here and there so maybe just to kind of reinforce and maybe in this way we can actually make the connection to the uh, dmt space let's say so there actually yeah. is Gene key number 52, with, which coincidentally is both my radiance and pearl in my chart. So it's the most prominent one. And it is called the stilling of the wave. And mm. yeah, I could read this to you now, uh, just one sentence. Still, So this is by uh, 
The 52nd Way, The City of Stillness. So this is from Richard Rudd's Gene Key book, highly recommended. I'm pretty sure that you agree. This is one of the books, also the human design books, of course, but especially this, you know, this one exactly. It's like one of the best books I ever had in my hands, I think. Like making the most it's sense spiritually and psychologically. We actually had Richard Rudd on the show, for which I'm we're very grateful. Awesome guy. And also what I always like to mention again is oftentimes the people that really are able to have great spiritual system developed already have really good body connection, which also harkens back to human design and like being in tune with your own gut feeling or your own variant of authority. So Richard Rudd says here, stillness is how the world will be transformed. Although on the first pass, that doesn't seem to make sense. It's an absolute truth. Deep within your DNA, stillness is all there is. So I'm not going to continue reading now, but only one more quote here. It says from the Ashtavakra Gita, it says, even when he is still, the selfish man is busy. Even when he is busy, the selfless man is still. So, yeah. Um, I'm not sure, maybe, Jim, we want to... Uh, uh, I'll just say, go into the I'm DMT not, or the connection because this is a good this is no this is a good point here. But continue. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure. And now that I'm, you're triggering all, I was like, I did read through this at some point. So it's like I think we go from the solar plexus to the ajna. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not totally sure about that. Um, and just the layer, even the other way around. Yeah, just because this may be relevant. Same, I'm like, around, don't right? ask me. I'm not the expert. I'm the idiot. Because again, and also <laughs> I'll mention this very briefly. In the modern type of the Christian cross, I found it's interesting that it's not a um, equilateral cross, you know, but it's actually a cross where it's slightly on top. And to me, when I was measuring it, it was always like, oh, that's like the splinter in Fine. front of your eye, <laughs> or, or how do you call it? It's even the second thing. It's not the splinter of your eye. Um, how do you say it? Sometimes if like, don't complain about the splinter in your eye, if there's like the, you the know, the wooden your, plank yeah, yeah. In, in the log in your face or something like this. And I'm like, oh, in the Christian cross, that's like the log you have on your face or just the indication in terms of human design that that's where the energy is centered right now, which is not really balanced, which is not in the heart or in the, you know, in the center and can also explain all these, you know, crazy mind game, illusion, illusion, Piscean age stuff. Uh, we've been dealing with so yeah Jim. Uh, no, go for it. oh yeah it's just um like i was saying the ajna has reached its full capacity basically of what it can do for us and um like Raphael was saying we've been on loops for so long you know most people in today's world are still living as if they're seven centered We've been nine-centered beings since 1781. We've had this completely different um, like hybrid of the strategic and the receptive, kind of as the bridge species between the past and what will be with the raves. And so, yeah, it's the time to let the mind retire because it's done what it's here to do. And the new way is through the embodiment, which a lot of that comes through the solar plexus. I'm fucked. So <laughs> now, not to not to put myself forward here, but just as a reference and case example, is this receptive and strategic? Are these like two terms in human design which are used? Yeah, you're 100 percent receptive. So exactly, because that's what a friend had told me, and it was like, oh, this is already the new variant, and I was like, okay, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. <laughs> now that you're explaining it, you know, with uh, the type of consciousness and so on, it makes more sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and also with the stealing of the wave, you know, this whole idea of, which has been a huge theme for me certainly is uh, weaning off of the controlling ego mind that believes it can control everything or even anything and really hardcore going into the idea of, you know, trust and letting go. And it doesn't mean that you completely forego all planning and practicability, although you could. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, this is always the great theme that I see, you know, you mentioned it in terms of how work is structured, how anything is structured, that we try to operate actually on a, on a system that's much too, like you said, much too low bandwidth to account for all the infinite perfect synchronicity that can occur if we allow ourselves to be more open and receptive. Um, yeah. Lucid being instead of lucid dreaming. It's like, it seems like that's where it's going to go. We're just going to kind of go with the flow in a, in a way that isn't mental. And that's why I said, I'm fucked as a Gemini. I said, I'm in. I'm like, uh, and my car is a Gemini. It's like, but I think my pearl is silence. So it's just like, I'm going to shut the fuck up for once. And it's going to feel good. That's going to be oh, awesome. Oh, nice. Who would have thought that? That's that a perfect me. match. So, and just maybe, because this is the good reference I can give, uh, especially if you haven't had that experience. Because um, I had been asked about the recent experience I had with, I believe it's called Bufo, which technically should be 5-MeO-DMT, some kind of a frog toad poison that you can smoke. Again, this is an, at least in South America, indigenous practice, um, quite common from what I understand, or you know, well uh, established, let's say. And the interesting thing also with, let's say, normal DMT, but here even more so because it's just potentiated, is what it is doing in a sense it is it is throwing you uh into the field or the place let's say before or without any conditioning and any of the definitions that we would be accustomed to as a human psychological mind construct basically you're in a sense i want to say thrown out or whatever or your frequency is pushed so high that you do not really have connection anymore to you know whatever definition of this world, your, your focus just changes or is, um, yeah, you're refocused in a sense. So what it helps you do, what it can help is to reconnect with the state of being, the state of mind, stilling, state of love, unconditional love and um, connectedness, unity, from which actually, in my view, in each and every moment, our physicalized consciousness is connecting to and uh, the translator of for our human experience. And this energy is always there. It is never gone. It is always with you. But these kind of experiences just help you to strip away all of this world that, again, you can see, oh, this is the core of your being, actually. And when you have the great boon, in a sense, of being allowed to experience that, from this point of view, for example, through proper rituals within theogens, um, I sense it can really give a strong conviction in a sense that all these things we talk about here uh, is not just a nice concept, but there is a way that this can be experienced. And uh, yeah, I, all I can say is I'm grateful for it. To those that are ready, highly recommended in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just always thinking that with tools like this, no matter how great the crazy transformation may seem or even opposition or whatever, uh, if we have access to tools and techniques like that, it's almost, it's, to me, it almost always seems like cheat codes, you know? Um, but we need them, I think, because it's a pretty, pretty tricky puzzle we set ourselves up for, so yeah. Morpheus <laughs> had to use a red pill, man. Sometimes uh, changing up your chemistry is part of the game. I'm curious, Raphael, and I'll, I'll be quiet, but I'm kind of just curious. It seemed like when you were talking, I think we've talked about this with Thomas Sockwitz before. 
um, where it's like we are essentially spirit involuting on itself and creating kind of this where's Waldo dream inside of itself. So almost like we tend to think of like, oh, Earth and we're all these like kind of follicles of Gaia or whatever going out and look at the infinite space that way. But it's almost like the reverse where it's like it's a circle and everything is everything we would experience is kind of like an like an inner terrarium or whatever of being and it's all one thing and that's a heady concept but i mean i mean most religious traditions are talking about this in some way it's like you know the kingdom of god is within you and you're more connected than you think and all this stuff and we've been lisping our way through it i think for a long time linguistically or whatever uh because the ineffable is really hard to describe let's just put it that way it's, it's like how do you categorize that which is beyond category yes and in a world or in an age let's say of planning to come back to your theme where your task from consciousness and especially the control structure setup recognize this you can benefit greatly from deliberately misconstruing the ineffable in order to have control over a population you know <laughs> but i guess it's all good i'm kind of curious dylan what your of course, own, um, yeah. presuppositions are in terms of like karma i mean you've had a pretty you know not tragic in like the most tragic way, but it's like you've seen your fair share of suffering and death and stuff. So it's like, um, even just that fall off of a fucking balcony or whatever, that's like a gnarly, I'm sure your physiology was like, what the actual fuck just happened. So, um, how do you look at the causal necessity of sin or karma or however you want to look at that? Like, it seems like we're playing a game in which we're learning. And I think that's like the positive polarization of like shit's happening and we're trying to learn through it. But I guess the negative polarization of that would be like, it's a happening and, it's like more of a nihilistic thing, I guess. Um, how do you break the cookie? I mean, are you like, everything's on track and there's never off track. And the idea of off track is not correct. Or, do you see what I'm trying to say? Like how, how do you function in the world in terms of, um, you know, individualism and, and correctness and survivability and all these kinds of mental places versus submitting to the dream like a Pisces would naturally. I mean, cause you got a cap moon. So you're going to be like, you want to know how things work. And all this kind of other Aquarian energy, but at the same time, I think it seems like you're kind of, um, it's like in 2001, a space odyssey, it's like, you know, there's levels of birthing and it's like, once we hit a certain consciousness, we do birth into this galactic being or something. And, and we're going to necessarily be resonating or functioning in a different capacity, just like you're saying. Anyway, um, how, how do you look at, and I'm curious, Rafael, you can talk about it too, but how do you guys look? Because that's something we've struggled with a lot in a lot of episodes. I'm like, if it's all good, like is suffering and, and, you know, division and all this stuff, just a big weird detour or is it like the point I'm trying to figure that part out now. And obviously I guess I'm getting closer to the due date of there is no figuring it out, Jim, shut the fuck up. So just before I forget, I would just briefly like to mention, so the indigenous that I, I spoke to recently and we spoke about the whole, um, let's call it crisis, the crisis of the crown. And he had also mentioned that in, in his assessment, basically and now if we are nine centered it would be a different phraseology but still that some kind of an activation was occurring around the time 2020 2021 <clears throat> and that's actually that another reason for sure uh, yeah keep going right just one of the examples of course no matter what framework we apply and that's why it was important to have this huge distraction operation let's say so people don't recognize that maybe they actually had an increase in their powers and at least for me hmm. you know in my strange world or whatever i would certainly say that there has been a stark increase in synchronicity and alignment from 2020 onwards so um yeah that, that's as much as I can, you know, contribute in terms of the of the timeline thing. But in terms of the meaning and reasoning, I'll, I'll let Dylan answer what, what his view is. If limitation is the point, you know, for freedom of experience, 
<laughs> the freedom to experience suffering. <laughs> yeah. So the way I see it, and this is paralleled with the cosmology that human design put forth, it's that we are on a planet that is about generating potentials. And when one of us can reach the full potential inherent in our blueprint, we are fleshing out another layer or another cell of a greater being that is being birthed. And the way that Ra said it, he said that our, our galaxy or even our universe, he said, is not even born yet. It is still in the gestation of what it will be. And our lives and our you know, journey here on earth is essentially to have the potential of true cognition of source itself to be able to think and see and breathe through physical form, through the matter of life, involution, as you said. And so we're all a, an attempt by the totality to fill in another cell of what this greater, you know, 4K screen will be when it finally gets plugged in and turns on. We're all just a pixel potential of filling in our piece of the totality, our fragment, because we are these fragments of the original crystal of consciousness that shattered at the Big Bang, which is a theory, but that's just part of the story that I'm telling and I've been given. So 4% of 4% of people will actually make that transition and make that transformation and fill in their cell of their conscious potential. It is extremely small. And the rest are simply that, they're attempts at source of doing its thing, of fleshing out a higher level of cognition in form and matter. And basically, in other words, tr uh, building towards a higher bandwidth potential of consciousness within form. So. We seem like we've been here a long time. We've see we seem like we've accomplished so much, but it's all been just kind of the games we play to unlock this greater capacity within ourselves and finish this last layer, really, of what's needed for this greater being to come into full activation and full birthing. And from the timeline that we're living that's not going to happen while the earth is still around. So that sounds like doom and gloom, but it's really actually giving us even more emphasis and it's giving us more freedom, I think, to fully live the life that we've been given as uniquely as we possibly can because there's no other reason not to. Like the systems that are around us don't have the intention of nurturing our consciousness. They're just here to contain all the bodies that have been generated during the cross of planning that were needed as the raw material, as the raw potentials for this transformation. And so the, those of us that have any inkling of awakeness, or I would say even a better word is like self-reflected consciousness, it's just our own gift to ourself to radically and unapologetically pursue what is exactly our way. And if it is truly our way, then there's a perfect place in the world for us to do that. And 
if you really live this life right and you really use up the energy you're given in alignment with your greater being, then you get to launch out of this recycling program of, of consciousness. Like that's actually the original thing that was given to me in my first reading that I barely ever hear in the human design community anywhere is that the whole idea of living your design to the fullest is that it is the ticket out of the reincarnation cycle. So to fully live your blueprint, to fully use all the energy you've been given in the way that it was given to you to, to express means that you achieve a sort of escape velocity for your consciousness and that you get to graduate to the next upcycling of whatever that will look like, you know, whatever body that means you will be incarnating into and whatever part of the universe that that might take place or galaxy. Um, and may I ask just briefly, because I'm generally also kind of a fan of this idea just as a gamification approach for incarnation itself. And if I were to choose a game, that's totally the game I'm playing. So in a sense, I'm 100% with you. At the same time, maybe something is created, but certainly nothing is ever lost, no energy is ever lost. And you had mentioned only 4% of 4% or something like this are actually actively striving to evolve in that manner. Is that correct? There may be a lot more people striving to evolve, but around that oh. number is the people that are actually right. doing it. So, so all I would like to point out here, while that may even be true in whatever you know quantum observer sense we can even determine that um still it would be a particular type of discrimination or judgment applied to the perfection of creation itself i'm just kind of pointing out that whilst i'm totally on attaining a high score on exactly what you're mentioning if anything because I, I don't see much other point actually honestly um uh th this wouldn't mean for me that any other type of life or, or something is um any worse or any less necessary, any any less vital, maybe even in this type of system that there maybe must be 96% filler so that the few percent in this particular scenario can pop out or something like this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a really cool um, anecdote that I heard. I think it was just on one of these inspirational videos and I've looked for it and I can't really find the source. But in it, he was saying that when a leaf on a plant takes in the photons from the sun the photons travel let's say there's a hundred different pathways for that photon to reach the mitochondria of that cell or whatever it is the the chlorophyll thing that, that the plant cells have to generate energy but um there's like 99 pathways that that photon will take but as soon as the first photon hits the core of that mitochondria all the other 99 pathways out of the 100 ceased to exist. It's almost like they were they never happened. And they kind of get reabsorbed or in a quantum way are kind of reallocated in some sense. It's not to say that those 99 potentials are just a waste or a loss. It's just that once source or once the machine of life makes that contact of the original particle you know, coming from source, moving through matter and reaching back into source with a clean trajectory through somebody's crystal of consciousness, then those other pathways are both void and redeemed at the same time. So it's not to say that anyone is doing anything wrong or that there's anyone that's like not a part of this story. Everyone is part of the story. 
It's just that there's a particular quota that's essentially looking to be met by the game of life. And only certain people are the ones that are doing that at this time. And this is in terms of the future of consciousness and the incarnation of the greater totality into form, which is coming far, far into the future. And that's not the only thing that's happening here. And that's not the only point to life. But it is when we're talking about human design, kind of why human design exists to give more people a greater probability of achieving that state. Because, you know, it's kind of what's on the menu right now. Right. I mean, there's, um, it's tricky being in a, you know, 21st century uh, post-liberal kind of thinking, human humanism, um, because I think it's innate in our thinking to try to think, it's not, it's, it's a both end. So it's like not either or, it's like wave particle stuff. It's like everybody is uniquely, you know, in the image of God or whatever, this like Buddha waiting to sprout. But I, I, the thing that was coming to my mind was Narnia. I don't know if you ever read the Narnia books. Um, but like, uh, and I don't want to give too many spoilers because <laughs> it's like a huge psychedelic twist at the end. But um, basically, it's all happening. How would I put it? Like, all the world is a stage and every part is necessary for that story to be told well. So, you know, you need a gesture just as much as you need a king, just as much as you need the trees, you know, on the set of life or whatever, like to make the impact of the story known essentially. Um, so in a weird way, it's like not every role is getting the same pay grade, I guess you could say, or having the same actualization. Um, so there is, um, you know, it's almost animal farming or something where it's like some animals are more important than others. It's not even important. It just seems like some things are trying to discern and actualize particularly. Um, so maybe, you know, Shakespeare watching a play is having an epiphany and then saying, I'm going to go write my own. And that would be a very different process than somebody on the stage being like, well, I'm getting paid and I'm going to go feed my kids and stuff. I'm rambling. I have a tendency to do this. Sorry. Um, I don't have anything against, I, I think Raphael's a Libra, so he's going to necessarily be like, but everybody should be involved. Exclusivity isn't a problem to me. I, I think it needs to be, I, mean, I think at the end, it's like an analysis that might lose its meaning at some point, in a sense. If it is all one thing, kind of just gestating on itself and kind of doing things, it's like, it, it, it's not nihilistic, doesn't matter, but it's like, it's uh, ephemeral. It, it's like, you know, a fart in the wind kind of thing in some weird way. Um but yeah, I mean, this is one of the things I had a big, I mean, I'm, I still believe in some tenets, I guess you could say, of Christianity, but one of the things I had a big problem was like the exclusivity of it. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you have a ship, it's like you have one captain, you have a few crewmates, you have a cook, like everyone's doing the thing to make the journey happen. Like if you, if you removed one part of it, it wouldn't be the same kind of journey. And yet there's qualitative difference, I guess you could say. Um, I'm not sure how that would relate to, uh, you know, like human design in the sense like, oh, everybody with an open throat is going to get in or, you know, whatever like that. I don't, I'm not sure how it translates, but it seems like it's a both end where it's like, it's profoundly, um, you know, an independent, unique thing where we're like, we are, I remember having a mushroom trip once um, in Fort Collins when the lake was, the reservoir, Horse Tooth Reservoir was really low. So I was walking around on like what would be like, you know, silt and like the bottom of the lake or one point and it's like really low. And I, I felt like I was this transducer of consciousness being like, you're here to just explore experience. Like you're just like a vessel of, ex like you're just here to grope and taste and feel. I mean, we're sensatorial beings for this fact. And any other kind of like, I guess, moral judgment after that is like, that's in God's department. I don't know. I can't really answer that. But anyway, Rafael, what were you going to say? No, just I also had this distinct feeling a few times that, you know, one of the main things we are is just like some tiny little sensors. And it's not really about something external because it's all within consciousness, as you both had discussed just now. 
but still it's just you know another um want to say worker bee you know get the honey <laughs> um in the system that's just doing its part and yeah in a sense all further discrimination and so on is a judgment we can apply or not but it's all about you know just having as much exp just generating experience even no matter the quality of experience at the first level is just about generating experience all basically all potential experience and anyone is part of that you know and then within that we can construct games of linear progression and so on especially if time is a circle then all that you're discussing already has happened in some other sense as well so yeah a lot of ins and outs as the big Lebowski would say and some of this is just like you know ineffably weird stuff i'm always just curious how especially people like yourself dylan who are like um claiming is too strong a word but it's like a a actualizing through a process intentionally um, I don't think anybody has the full, you know, view of how it works. I don't think we can do that necessarily, um, just in these vessels or whatever, like it comes in spurts, especially like he was saying in the DMT space, like that felt more real than real. That felt like very life of Roy or whatever from, uh, uh, Rick and Morty, where it's just like, I thought I was really participating hardcore or in, in a Harry Potter, um, that, um, pensive. It's like you go in and you play with the dream and it's like, it seems fucking real when, you know, you're going into Snape's memories, but that is not actually what is the case. And I think there's higher dimensionality to it like that. Um, is, uh, I mean, we could kind of take this any direction. I, uh, don't really know where my thought was going with that. I, I guess it's just like, it's weird because it's like smile because it happened. Don't, don't cry because it's over. Cause I do feel like there, whether it's, you know, Christian apocalypse or huge shifts or, you know, solar flares or, uh, it doesn't even really necessarily matter how it materializes. It feels like, um, I mean, yeah, once you get to a certain point in Tetris or, you know, Mario, it's like the game is over. Like you've done what you could here in that capacity. And then there's like, you know, like Mario's dope. I think Mario's three is awesome, but it's like Grand Theft Auto is totally different. And it, you know, it's like, we're just going to shift into another dimensionality of being kind of like what you're saying. Uh, it's, it's horrifying in a sense, because I think of like the unknown, uh, listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson lately, it's like, I mean, the unknown is what both, you know, it's the dragon on the gold, uh, the hoard of gold. It's like, it, we're afraid of this stuff, but it's what seeking into the unknown is what the treasure is about. So it's like kind of, it's a both and situation where it's like, you've got to confront your fears and go into the darkest part of the forest in a um, um, night of the round table, kind of Jungian sense. Um, you've got to go where you're most scared and go, go apply that gold. It's like Bitcoin mining. It's like, you've got to do the mining. That's like, we're all little miners of consciousness, I guess. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Cause I'm all, you know, I don't know if you're like hyper religious or spiritual in the sense of like expecting demigods to appear or what, like, I feel like there's good, it's almost like a suds of a bathtub and like they're popping and popping. And at some point you only have a few major collectives of suds. Um, like at one point it's like very, very hyper unique stuff. Um, all, ironically, this is kind of counterintuitive what you were saying, like be your full self, be your full bubble. But it's like these kind of gestalts of bubbles are going to be popping, popping, popping. And at some point it's going to be like a few units of consciousness making a few moves and then pada bing, like, I guess the birth of the new Aeon or whatever is going to happen. Um, we, if you want to comment on that, you can. Otherwise, we could take this in any direction you guys want. Um, like, yeah, maybe some, like, what are some of the, uh, I'll just give you a chance to answer that. <laughs> mm, yeah, so I was going to try and share this uh, Chrome tab that I have open here just to Raphael give some tech so i'm like i'm just a little i'm the, i write, i wrangle the cats he knows how to work this unit can you work yeah yeah i've it? seen this before yeah yeah okay so in terms of thinking about how we all are part of the story no matter if you're on team uh regenerate pure god consciousness in form or whether you're on team 
have a successful business, raise kids, die peacefully. I mean, even that is a huge upgrade for so many people who, you know, we've been through a lot of shit on this planet. So there is inherent love and beauty and dignity in all of it. But when we look at this wheel is one way that came to me to kind of characterize it. We're kind of on different teams. So Mm -hmm. we've got team initiation. That's where I come from. Initiation starts the process. It's about initiating people into seeing, to actually coming clear with having their mind actually be a vessel for their consciousness, not this parasite that is trying to micromanage and control the life. Then we have people who are a court of mutation. Their whole transformation of consciousness has to do with death and rebirth, essentially, and becoming something that's never been before, you know, unbecoming the past and recapitulating themselves in a new combination or format into the future. And that can be body mutation, that could be mental mutation, that can be emotional mutation, it could be, there's so many potentials there, but it's transformation is their way. For my, for me, it was having this really clear perspective from very early on of my mind, having the capacity to see and initiate a process. And my first DNT experience on the big island of Hawaii, where I'll be returning this weekend, um, I saw Janice, you know, I was flung up into the universe and I saw the two headed green man spiraling out in every direction. And I saw his scales all over his body that were actually the stories of every person in existence. So there he was quarter of initiation. Then we have mutation. I have a lot of mutation in my chart. It's not where my son is. It's not where my consciousness really sits, but a lot of the stuff in my body and my actual physical vehicle is mutation. So literally mutating my whole life. Then there's duality people who are here to fulfill their purpose through relationships, through actually, yeah, completing a part of their story through the story of another. And then there's civilization. People who are here to literally establish something, build something in the world, lay a new standard, create a new set of laws um, or framework of some kind of a matrix, if you will, of creation. So when we look in the center here, we're looking at the map of the original crystal bundle. Let's say it's like the original raw, um, unmanifest potential of our consciousness. And when this crystal shattered, it shattered in this particular fashion. And we all belong to these different groupings of consciousness crystals that fall under different quarters of the wheel. So you have been on a team since as long as you've been alive, because the soul in your body right now, the consciousness crystal in that's transmitting and processing and filtering the information stream that gives rise to your awareness has been the way it's never changed since this original moment of shatter of the trajectories all being set in the original geometry. So really what the difference is, is do you still connect to your original essence? Do you still connect? Do you still receive data from that original intention or that original geometry? We can we can even say because at this point, it's not an intention yet. It's just literal geometry of like dynamics. Through space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where that's the only thing that is really determining that 4% of 4%. It's not a judgment of value. It's not a judgment of morality. It's not a judgment of, of any kind, really. It's just saying, which are the people, which, you know, which are the teams that are really still 
set on that original intention of, of preserving the purity of their consciousness. That's definitely the team I'm on. And I've also had a huge amount of experiences in my life that have done the opposite of that. So that's really what it's what I was pointing to, just to, you know, I'm Piscean as well, so I don't want anyone to feel left out or bad about <laughs> yeah. their incarnation here. So that's that's what I have to say about that. I'm glad you dissected that because I've got I've had that saved on my phone for years and it's like it's evident in a sense what it's trying to say. Um I literally I clearly haven't like read up so hard um on the human design book, I'm sure it's probably in there or whatever. Um but it's cool because yeah, these are just maps of dynamic consciousness and like how, you know, how cookies crumble, I guess you could put it. And there is, there is no, uh, it's not that there's no why, but like the why almost becomes irrelevant at some point. And it's just like a happening kind of like Alan Watson's always like, you know, you're breathing. It's, it's do be do like you're doing things. Sure. But like, it's beyond your, your individual ness at some point too. Um, in terms of that little chart that you just showed us with those deities and kind of uh, archetypes, um, how do you, do you, are you trying how would I put this? Do you consciously try to channel or or honor those things that are in your chart? Or like how do you uh approach that model in terms of you know daily praxis, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. Like if you know, if you've got mm-hmm. like oh um because those things do I mean, if you're into astrology and if especially if you get into the t- uh the, the uh, human design you could see where your quote team is like i was like oh i guess i'm a civilization sun and moon and oh this that, and the other you can start breaking it down how do you honor those algorithms maybe it's the best way i could put it <laughs> well ultimately it's about being the witness and so what's interesting about these um godhead algorithms if you will is that they actually represent a more homogenized version of the potential of the energies that they preside over. So if you weren't aware and you weren't focused in some way on preserving your uniqueness in whatever way that takes shape, then you're probably going to manifest some of the lore of these deities in your life by default. So the way that I relate to these godheads is I don't want them anywhere near my life. I don't want them messing with my stuff because i'm here to live my incarnation i'm here to differentiate my consciousness i'm here to be the god not to rule over anyone not to have a sense of superiority but to have that sense of sovereignty i should say i was about to say that yeah yeah sovereign individuals at that level i think it could be fun because it does help also point some signposts to how you've been conditioned probably in your life to deal with things depending on the gate and the, the quarter and the kind of quarter of the quarter. Um, and that's fascinating. And I think there are other people that could find some really deep truth in that in terms of their own, you know, past lives and things like that. But for me, it's all candy. And I like to keep it, you know, right here and right now as much as I can. Uh, it reminds me of the Pantheon Bar in uh, Holy Mountain. It's like it's a lot of cool shit down here. You can get very sidetracked into like I'm the weightlifter or I'm the you know the poet genius or whatever the fuck you get tripped out on. But it's like the mountains further on. And then when I, I don't know if you've seen that Jodorowsky movie, probably. But um, and at the end, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's a weird dream. And like you know, zoom back camera. Kind of, that's kind of it. Seems like we're almost to a zoom back camera 2027 moment uh, where where it's just going to shift 
gears and the fourth wall is going to break or however that looks. Um, I don't know if you, we've done an episode on it. Um, actually we did one on uh, Holy Mountain early on, but also, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is this anime on Netflix. Raphael grew up with it and I didn't know about it. And he was like, gotta check this shit out. There's like a poc, uh, a Kabbalistic apotheosis at the end of this basically. And I'm kind of, ex- in a weird way, it feels like there will be like a group meta curtain call. In a sense, where we're like, "Hey, you, t- hey, tigers, you did your thing. Bees, you did your thing. Ocean tides, good job." Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, at least you know, in the uh, in the supernova or whatever's going to happen, I hope we have a moment of appreciation that's like transcendent, and instead of just you know a supernova happening and it just shifts. I would, I would, I would prefer if we all kind of had a moment of like, "Yeah, we were in the library reading books. You're right. Holy shit, this is cool." Next, next phase or whatever um is there anything on uh we could i could pick your brain for hours so it's like i'm trying to uh is there anything that we're not talking about that you feel compelled to talk about uh otherwise me and rafael might just chuck stones at you and see what you react to um no i think yeah that was a good and and deep coverage of like the mythology that i was looking to share today Maybe we could talk about your guys' charts a little. Totally. Uh, don't. I mean, I I always have this weird thing because I do astrology charts. And it's like uh, before I ever charge and stuff. It's like I think this is great. I mean, I'm eleventh house, and I'm like, let's talk about this shit. That's great. But then I also we have astrologers and human design people, and I'm like, if you want to talk about them, that's cool. I just wanted you to be aware of who you're talking to. That's why it's like I've got your chart. So if you want to talk about it, cool. You do, you know, offer this service. So I want people to know that this is available to them. Um, but yeah, I. I I digress. I'm kind of just going, thank you for offering that. I wasn't expecting that kind of thing. Um, Since you're both generators and your strategy is to respond, I guess I'll ask you, mm -hmm. would you like to go over your chart? Most definitely. Cool. So was that, was that sacral responsy enough for you? (laughs) uh, Yours. At least in my case, (laughs) I have the sacral authority, but I'm not sure about Jim's. He is as well. I felt gems. I don't. I don't know so much about yours, Raphael. But it's okay. We're gonna do it anyway. I've always uh, said I'm the Cheshire Cat or something weird or Alice, and I feel like Raphael's the stoned uh, caterpillar, and he's just being real chill about it. Um, so yeah, hard to read, but always present. Awesome. I feel that. So Jim, you're a generator, and that means that you have an open, enveloping aura. That means you're magnetic. You're a vortex, and that you're not here to initiate in life, which means oh, we could share this. And this is obviously not an in-depth reading, just a... Um, oh, yeah, drive-by and... gnosis. That's how I look at it. And this is fun. I'm glad you, I'm, I'm glad you found a model to uh, encapsulate your imagination because that's really one of the hardest things to do as people. It's like, what can, like, what can I thrive through uh, in this crazy world? Yeah, it's and, definitely... And protected me this whole time okay so jim what's really interesting yeah you're a generator you have this vortex like magnetic aura that's going to pull things into your life that match your frequency because you're a physical embodiment of the life force of the planet the creative intelligence that designed and birthed every living thing and the byproducts of those living things um, that we see in this world so you were given this resource this deep resource of life force energy. And you were given a specific blueprint from the time three months before you were born and the moment that you took your first breath. 
And so in this life, you're here to give all of this energy away. You're here to serve the needs of life in the unique way that you can through following the response that this energy gives you. This energy speaks to you. It has a voice and it can speak to you through grunts and groans and more primal sound intonations such as that. It can also speak through a yes or a no. It can also speak through sensations that you might feel in your abdomen or any part of your body, really. It could be a response from anywhere in your aura because, you know, we have a body, but we have an aura that's two arms lengths in every direction, roughly. So when something comes into that generative vortex-like aura and it matches your frequency and your body's intelligence knows that it's right for you, it's going to be like, uh-huh, and it's going to go into that experience to build something. Generators are here to discover who they are through what they do, through what they build, through what the work is that aligns them and lights them up and gives them a deep sense of satisfaction, which is your signature. And the cool thing about another cool thing about you is that you're a 4-1 profile. That makes you a juxtaposition individual, which means you're not part of the team that's creating the new karma. You're not part of the team that's cleaning up the old karma. You are the binding of the book. You are the connector. You are the railroad tracks. You are this fixed fate individual. Whereas a right angle person would be personal destiny and a left angle person would be transpersonal karma. You're right down the middle. That makes you fixed fate. And the one is the investigator. The one has an inherent sense of needing a strong foundation in order to be able to present something practical and make an impact. The four is somebody that has a natural social gift, great at making connections, great at being influential with people that they know. So to be a 4-1 means that you're always externalizing and influencing based on what you've dug deeply into. And the foundations of what you've dug deeply into happen to be a lot to do with the love of the body, of being in the body and basically being surrendered to the journey that the form is going to take you on, and the contemplation and experience of love itself. And this is a universal love. This is not hot, romantic love. This is the cool love of the cosmos themselves, uh, the spirit of innocence, you know, just pure energy and motion. And that's really been the guiding force of your direction in life because both the 46 and the 25 here, which you have in line one, are in your center of direction, love, and identity, which means these forces of love, love of the vessel, love of all things have been what's guided you on your path of establishing your foundation and given you the security, the inner security to externalize what you know, what you see, what you believe. Um, you find your best opportunities in life through response and response alone. So the second that you get into the mindset that you are in control and you should initiate something, i.e. the impending move that you're feeling a need for, it's always going to be along better lines, along better geometries, and with less resistance that you can invite that move into your life by waiting to respond to what life brings you, even if your mind is constantly badgering you to make a decision before it's time, uh, whether it's through the externalized or internalized pressure that other people put on you, through the emotional pressure that other people put on you, or through a sense of insecurity and uncertainty about what your future will look like. You do have a split in your design, which means that you're somebody who's deeply um, de 
designed to find a sense of wholeness through connection with another. So I can see here that the split exists between the throat and the G center. So somebody with gate eight, where the north node is right now, filling in that void, um, or with the gate 33 here, these are the people or the transits that you're looking for to culminate or complete processes of transformation or actualization for you. So right now with the North Node being here in, in gate eight, it's a really powerful time for you to express your unique creative identity, to have this sense of cohesion between the part of you that generates and moves your life forward and the willpower that you have to initiate yourself or others, as well as the part of you that has a un really unique mental process and that brings breakthrough into being and structures new ideas and new ways of thinking into form. So it's kind of a cool ride for you right now. And that's probably why you're feeling the sense of needing to move because you are kind of being pulled by the nodes to kind of establish a new place in the world through your trajectory. So Feel it. that's what I think. It's, dude, I mean, that's a drive by. I get it. But like, uh, and I've talked, I've heard enough of this stuff and done astrology. You are gifted, my friend. I love it. It's, it's, it's really fun when you see someone like driving their Mario Kart in number one, just tossing the banana peels back and just like crushing it. I mean, you're doing it. Um, it felt very hierophantish. It's like, please tell me what I need to know. And it's like, here, I got you, bro. Uh, the, the text. Um, it's funny because I'm engaged to a five, one manifester and, uh, I don't know enough about a chart, but, um, in the gene keys thing, she's a 59, I'm a 55. We have a lot of activation things like for my addiction, which is what I'm just now getting over being a stoner and, you know, lush and all this kind of, Oh, I've explored the body pleasures for sure. But now I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I think we're at the cusp of some big changes where maybe a buzz isn't the priority. <laughs> um, basically. <laughs> so anyway, I, I don't want to um, talk about that too much, but yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh, I'm probably going to hit you up for a reading. I'm just realizing it's like, you know, what? I, I could use your advice. Um, in a sense, I get that we're all kind of writing our stuff. So, uh, but I'm open as you have put like ideas transform me. And then I kind of just do my thing with them and then vomit out. And, and usually people find whatever I vomit regurgitate out from my experiences, compelling or novel or whatever. So yeah, very much appreciate that. Yeah. You have so much individuality in your chart. It's really about resonance with the other because you, you have this channel of the genius to freak and basically that's just kind of comes with the territory of being an original is that some people are going to see your perspective as genius. Other people are going to think you're a freak. And that's just kind of something that you have to keep awareness of because individual ind individuals can feel really sensitive to rejection, really sensitive to um, criticism because they're really looking for a place to put their unique breakthroughs in the world. And when they can't find that or feel like they're denied that, it can be kind of frustrating, um, which is my not self. Yeah. <laughs> right. Frustrating. And it, it makes you want to stop expressing that uniqueness. So don't stop. Uh, you've don't got, you've got Uranus on your Venus. That's pretty cool right now. Um, I feel it. My relationship is probably expressing that now. It's like, Oh, we're the best of times, the worst of times. This is a crazy time. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to have to hit you for, for a reading after this, clearly. It's like, cool. hey, I'm at a point where I'm going to need some... Uh, I know, I feel like I'm reaper cheap and I'm going to go where I need to go, but it's like there's a big difference between just like swashbuckling and then going to the next land or whatever in that Narnia story. It's like further up and further in, bitches. We're like, we got to do this. 
we got to do it and like wrap up the karmic lessons, say thank you. <laughs> you know, that's how it feels right now for me. Yeah. Um, and like I, we're not just going somewhere else. We're moving deeper into the process that we came to embody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All about it. Uh, yeah. Awakening isn't about shooting out to the next planet. It's about like, yeah, it's, there's a difference between a gestational womb and then like a walking child. It's like, whoa, this is a functionally different entity. Um, yeah, but thank you for that. And, um, I mean, we could talk about this all day, which I'll hit you up for reading for. Um, feel free to dig on Raphael. Awesome. You ready, Raphael? Yeah, let's go. Typically, okay. he's ready. I just try. I was trying to see if I could get another sacral. Uh, <laughs> you got a pleasure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just. <laughs> It, it was too mind based because I was thinking about you know how to give the proper type of you know cheeky response. <laughs> no, it's good. Oh, the mind and great reading. So because basically while you were talking, I was just trying to correspond with uh, with my um, chart some interesting correlations. But I'll let you go ahead. Okay. So Raphael is a generator as well, which means he carries the same or a type that is open, enveloping, giving an impersonal energetic hug to everything and everyone within two arms lengths of his body. And he is taking in life deeply on a neutrino level. You know, it's a big part of the human design system is this understanding that we are in a field of subatomic particles called neutrinos, the smallest known particle that still carries mass, mass, I should say. And this is what gives us the imprint. So as a four parts right, four parts receptive individual, you are very deeply enveloping. You are taking in life very deeply and you're taking in literally everything around you. So like when we think of these interesting videos that are out where the, the autistic person can fly over the city in the helicopter and then detail sketch the entire freaking city because they have that unlimited capacity for storage, that's what the receptive or the right arrows in a in design chart are really showing us. It's not about that focus, pointed, logical, strategic, pattern-based need to know. It's about being the pure, um, abstract, absorptive consciousness field, essentially, that becomes a resource. So a big part of your life as this receptive generator is being somebody who needs the right people to draw that part of them out of them. So if you're around people who don't have very stimulating questions, if you're around people that don't have a similar sense of ethos or logos about living, they're going to draw very low level responses out of you. But if you are with people who are more on your fractal, so to speak, more people that are intentionally aligned with you or intellectually aligned with you or skill aligned or whatever, they're going to draw things out of you that are much higher quality. So for you understanding that the, the version of you that you get out of you is so deeply conditioned by the others that are drawing upon you as a resource can give you, I guess, some more freedom from having to wonder why certain things feel so sucky sometimes and other times it feels so aligned and so clean and so good. And ultimately, because you are a generator, it's your sacral, it's your gut response that is going to give you clarity on who's a yes for you and who's going to relate to you on the level that feels satisfying to you and who and so you too also have this gate 46 energy except you have the whole channel connecting with the 29 which means that 
you have this consistent energy of being able to commit deeply to a path or a process in life. This is an abstract energy, which means it's not, it's not analytical. It's not something that you can stop in the middle, analyze, and get a piece of data from. 4629 says that you have to deeply commit to the journey, and only once the journey is complete do you find the gold nuggets and the wisdom and the, the you know, the... Um, the fable has a moral to the story, I guess. You know, why did that happen? Only comes after the experience has completed for you. So understanding that your yeses are very powerful and deeply binding. So you have to be very selective about, we don't have to, but I would advise you being deeply selective about what you say yes to because once you're in it, you're going to go all the way through it. Even if, if it's something that's not right for you. Interject hmm? only with one sentence. So luckily, since I had the great privilege of getting to know human design many years ago and already before that having started the introspection and having it validated and uh, also having these particular aspects either recognizing them but i can certainly say these things you just mentioned are certainly those factors i have been focusing on the most for many years now because exactly of the dynamics you described so just to confirm what you're saying yeah mm -hmm. that's awesome i love that yeah, because otherwise it could be a long road of suffering for someone with this body graph. Right, so <laughs> then you have a split as well. So that means that you two are really here to find a, a more powerful dynamic within yourself through connection with another. And it's all centering around gate nine. Uh, so gate 52, which we spoke of a bit more, is the format fuel for all logical processes in the body, in the mind, etc. So gate nine is what tells us it's kind of like the um, focalizing energy. It says, okay, where do we apply all this fuel to focus on the pattern and master in the pattern? And which pattern are we mastering? Because in the 1858 down here, in your other, you know, aspect of who you are, you have the channel of judgment, which is the ultimate insatiable um pattern correction powerhouse you know the 18 my favorite is... channel hmm? that's my very favorite channel that's the one i'm always looking out for in designs <laughs> yes um and people you know it is a powerful energy because there's so much that it takes into account just instinctually it doesn't have to really think or contemplate about what's off or what's on it has an inherent pre-studied almost sense of correctness or incorrectness so it is very powerful it's very cutting and that's what makes it a bit unpopular for other people who don't have it is when they receive the judgment that comes on the other side of this channel it can be you know dashing to their ego but ultimately it's here to serve us being more free to be joyful that's really the motivation behind the judgment is saying we got to do things right before we take our eyes off the road. You know, we have to have everything perfected as much as possible in our systems and in our rhythms so that we can actually have more free potential energy for joy and creativity. So that's really what's behind it. But either way, you have a super logical channel and then you have a super abstract channel and they're bridged by this one gate nine, which kind of tells the the abstract side of you where to apply the energy based on what the logical side of you has identified and you know kind of dialed into in terms of what needs to either be improved or what is working well 
or so on and so forth. So there's like this magical bridge with gate nine for you. Um, and it kind of, I would, I would say, let's see, even having lots of experiences, you know, on the open road, just following this body of yours, uh, wherever it goes to see what gets pulled out of it and by whom. And then you have this strong, like, data collecting kind of Rubik's cube solving kind of um, instinctual mind. And when the nine comes into the, into the fray or into the format, you basically get a lot clearer guidance from your body on where to actually apply your commitment energy. And that allows you to find satisfaction. <laughs> so just on the other clear, side, what does a gate nine stand for or just the name of it? Oh, gate nine is called the taming power of the small. So it's, it's right. all about detail and focusing on the details. Um, and then Sagittarius in astrology. So it's kind of about like the source code of life, I feel. And it's kind of the cousin of gate five. Um, but you have, you know, you've got some nervousness around confrontation. You have perhaps a lot of conditioning around self-worth. There are probably times when you can't find perhaps the words that you're looking for to describe the emotions that you're processing for other people because they're not your emotions. You're absorbing and amplifying them. And ultimately, your most, even though you have a lot of logic in your chart, you're here to hold the mind lightly and more be a, as a witness. And again, the passenger consciousness, having the experience, watching the movie, only worried about breathing and seeing because when you do really relax into this body of yours, it's really well equipped to take you to the right place at the right time with the right people. It's designed for delight and i know you know that from your gene keys so yeah that's a little rundown on oh and then you're the five two so the five two is really interesting because on the conscious side the five has a lot of projection of expectations put on it by other people and at the same time it has the quality of therefore never being truly seen by another unless it really wants to open up so the fifth line energy is this, it's kind of like a savior or a fixer energy that people look to in times of crisis to establish order out of chaos. And so it's really important, and again, for you to be cued into your sacral response to really know which experiences of swooping in and saving the day are right for you and are practically tied to what you really here to offer and what you know the gifts of your blueprint are. And which ones are just going to have you burned at the stake? Because when people have expectation on you in this projection field that you have and you can't quite or don't want to quite or it's just not in alignment to meet those expectations, when the projection gets dashed and the dream dashed, those people get very angry. So fifth lines find themselves being burned at the stake a lot, finding themselves as a scapegoat a lot. But as the heretic, they're here to bring a completely new order and they have the greatest potential to truly impact someone's life forever and change their trajectory, which is a special job to have. And then on the unconscious side, you're a two, which means you're a hermit, which means you're a natural, which means there's something that you inherently just get about life. You're a natural at it. And it could be a host of things. It doesn't necessarily have to be one subject or one focus. It could just be a style of understanding or a style of thinking or a style of movement because this is your unconscious. And both of these gates are down in your root 
So something about you maybe understands structure, timing, pacing, pressure, motivation, embodiment um, on a very natural, instinctual level. And again, this is a projected line. So the 5-2 and its cousin, the 2-5, are the only two profiles that are pure projection, which means there's a lot of strange things that might get cast in your direction from other people's expectation or other people's assumptions about you. But only you, through connection to your strategy and authority, can really know which of those projections is the right one for you to fulfill. And then last thing, left angle cross of healing, that would mean, uh, almost sounds like a collective healing of everyone. If right angle is individual, left angle is transpersonal, you said? It's, it's true. It's kind of like the right angle people are the research and development. The juxtaposition people are the, you know, they're like the nervous system kind of connecting things to other aspects of the same totality. And then the left angle people are here to take that research and development from the right angle and what they've discovered, what they found, what their errors have been even, and distribute that to others. And also in the process, clean up some of that old karma. The right angle people kind of have had their slate wiped clean coming into this life. They're here to generate new karma. Left angle people still have this kind of echo of the past. So there's something that is familiar for them coming back here, understanding something inherently kind of like maybe your childhood experience that you spoke of. And so left angle really needs those other people even though it's kind of like a, um, you know, it's a bittersweet, I guess, relationship because you need these other people to be the kind of energy that flows through your life and keeps it flowing. But also a lot of that relationship with them has to do with karma, which is not as nice and tidy as like our minds would want it to be. So you really know the the ability to endure a relationship in the positive sense because you know that a relationship can come with so much beauty and so much karma at the same time and that the connection between two people can transform from month to month to being deeply karmic and educational to deeply you know connecting and consolidating and you know the relationships I've had with left angle people have been the most transformative ones but they've required the most patience, the most attachment, and the most um, endurance, but they've been worth it. I got to say firsthand, um, because this whole podcast was Raphael's idea. I mean, one day he read a DMT trip report, hit me up when I was tripping on acid, and I was like, who is this East German spy or whatever's going on? It's like, oh, he's a Viennese. Who is this? And uh, But we've had a fun – I mean, anytime I was tripping on – whatever for many years he was always this kind of wall to bounce ideas off of it's like oh i've never heard of bashar and new age what is that and all this kind of stuff um so i can very much attest that uh not only do we have like this weird you know karmic month-to-month thing but like he's committed uh fully he's really good at that shit man like he's 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 been solid as a rock uh so i do appreciate you Raphael. i'm curious though um Dylan, if you would show us yours and self-analyze, is that like the man behind the curtain kind of thing? Or like, are you against that? If you don't want to do that, you don't have to, but I'm, I would love to hear your interpretation of yourself. Not and it's not going to be a goic. I'm not going to trip up. I'm like, you know, I'm asking you. So, um, but you're doing this so eloquently that I, I got to get my fix. It's we like, need to understand the circuitry that makes it work so well. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, totally. 
Thank you for asking. I, I really oh, yeah, don't sure. do much with my chart anymore. I think on my like 10 year anniversary, I did a reading for myself, like in third person, just to see what it was like. Um, Cause honestly, like I never really had a reading. Like the first time I got my chart, it was more like an intro, mm. but I full disclosure, I've never had a full human design. reading. <laughs> well, it's tricky because the caliber in which you're doing this, I'd find, especially with the Capricorn moon, you're going to be so scrutinous that it's got to reach you got to feel like you're being illumined. It's not, you know, you see, like, it's going to be hard for you. Like you're driving Ferraris. If it's not a Ferrari or better, you're not going to be too keen on it. I imagine. Um, yeah. You got to I mean, tell me something I didn't already think of. Well, I so, don't know enough my, about this shit, but yeah, like, just, I, I don't know. You, I don't know like, if you're going to get, Oh, you tell yourself, I don't know if you're going to get in your mind. You don't have to say, uh, just imagine it's a third person, I guess, like, or however you got to get in your mode. Um, yeah, it, I can do it. Can you see this? Not yet. Now we can. Okay. So Dylan here, <laughs> he's a four, six profile. So he's got that strong social connectivity and, and drive to influence and externalize on the conscious side. And then on the unconscious, he's a six, which is about transition and ultimately evolution and perfection of what you've been given. So the six line aspect of Dylan uh, is one that goes through three lifetimes in one. So from zero to around 34, the Saturn first Saturn cycle is one of trial and error in which the six line has to live in a third line incarnation of, like I said, trial and error. It's much more bumpy. There's a lot more experience crammed into the first 30 years of a six line life than probably almost anyone else because they're here to learn and extract from that deep well of experience what doesn't work and what does work and then from that they can go into their second phase of life from 34 ish to 50 or 51 which is up on the roof and at that time they get to crystallize and implement and embody all of the codes and habits and beliefs and changes that they saw as necessary through what didn't work in the first 30 years so they're here to self-perfect and then the third the third aspect or the third phase of their life is coming down off the roof again, that six line top down perspective and re-entering the world of trial and error, but with this crystallized sense of who they are. And that is that they're the role model. So the six line is a leader by example, not by telling, showing, doing Well, Yeah, by doing, I guess, but not by telling others. It's by being the example that they lead. And they lead through influence of the aura itself. They're not really here to influence, you know, as I mean, they do because we're all talking, we're all exchanging information through language, but they have a very strong impact through the aura itself energetically. So they can really just transfer the code just by being in the room if they're in alignment. So Dylan's cognition is interesting because he's 50-50. He's a bridge. His brain and body are deeply strategic, here to run and jump and throw the spear and catch the mammoth and be busy in all of that agenda of getting the thing. But the consciousness sitting inside the body doesn't care, doesn't care at all because it's deeply receptive. It's more like a rave in the sense that it's looking to meld with other consciousnesses in order to fully realize its true potential. So... Being this bridge has allowed me to focus on the strategic and the detail-oriented and the systems of things, the numbers, the colors, the figures, the measurements, and render that in a more, I guess, forward, I don't want to say forward thinking, but just 
in a way, in a style that takes into account more than just the figures and the measurements and the numbers. So the thing about this is receptive uh, alignments don't care. They just don't care. They don't have the capacity in them to really care about the survival programming because it's not in there. So those of us with a lot of receptivity often do things completely in opposition to how things tend to be done. You know, we don't mean to be, you know, trailblazers. We don't mean to be like the rebels and the heretics, but just by the nature that we see things differently and we can see the shortcuts between all the red tape that people in the logical world seem to think is necessary, we create new pathways, we create new systems, we create new, more efficient, honestly, ways of getting to the same place. So Dylan's three core centers, he's got a sacral, a G center, and a throat, and the sacral and the throat are directly connected, making him a pure manifesting generator. So just like a generator, except we move a little quicker, we skip more steps. It's all about, you know, our job, I guess, in the consciousness game would be to open as many portals as possible, not necessarily be the ones that close the portal or even walk through it, you know? So it's about trying the thing that's exciting today and not needing to judge yourself for not completing things because it's a more circular, maybe even cyclical way of creating, not as necessarily linear. Although I'm sure there's some very linear manifesting generators out there. I have the channel of rhythm, which puts me in touch with the planetary aura, with the aura of birds and fish and plants, just having a natural sense of connection to all living things because the 515 is the fundamental design of a single cell. So every organism from literally single-celled amoebas to giraffes, whales, and humans have the 515 inherent to their blueprint, whether it's defined or not. He also has the 3410, which gives him an unconscious, as it's all in red from the body side, an unconscious need to stick to his convictions, to stick to his yeses and his noes, because that generates the right trajectory for him in which he can explore what it means to be Dylan. And then once he does, he has the 1020, which gives him the ability to then recreate and stick to those higher principles that are etched out from him understanding his way. Open root, stacked up with conditioning factors. So embodiment, pacing, timing, motivation, is the place where he's going to school the most deeply. That's why building the whole system, the whole academy for me was an achievement because this so there's so much energy vying for the, my mind's attention in my root center. It's hard to really focus motivation and a consistent flow of energy um, with this. But it's been my learning curve, and yeah. Completely open spleen, not here to be concerned with survival. Completely open heart, not here to be concerned with proving myself. Open solar plexus, but it's also where my sun and my north node are. So I have a lot of close and personal experiences with the emotions of others. And that has been what's built my wisdom around emotional awareness, around emotional intelligence, and the different strategies we can use to not screw ourselves over with archaic emotional codependency basically i've got an open ajna with the gate of breakthrough as my unconscious moon so i love to let the breakthroughs flow through me but i never know what i'm going to say before i say it because my mind is completely inconsistent and doesn't connect to my throat and i've got my beautiful saturn venus conjunction in gate 61 which means i have 
just this beautifully faceted lens that gives me a lot of insight on the nature of consciousness coming into form itself. And that's my chart in a nutshell. Um, what are you like a five one or what was that part? I'm a four six. Oh yeah, sorry, I totally space did say that. Um, it's fascinating because uh, you did that eloquently. I don't, you don't worry very self conscious about it. Props. Like, I, mean, I didn't know how you were going to react to me asking that. Um, it's funny because the Saturn Venus conjunction. Now that I think about it, it is almost like a um, like like Bach or something where it's like it's really structured, but there's such a beauty here that is transcendent and it's really going to bring all of it together. Um, uh, as far as that co- course you put together, is that something that's like online and available for purchase, or is that something you're just doing like what, what you know when you're available you do it and people show up to the you know the, the bread like the ducks for the pond or whatever like how how does that model work? Is it like available or is it something that is just kind of recurring and people buy into it? It's it's really alive, so I have to be there to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I could sell it as just like here do the course that I made, but it doesn't. We're it's saying not your aura really, impacts things, so I mean, yeah, I that's it's a large part of it. Because like um, so much of what's great about this course is that you have access to my receptive cognition. So as I was speaking about Raphael and just the receptive energy in general, it's like this resource. It has everything in there, but it needs the right question. It needs good questions. So for me to sit kind of at the center of the circle and be the hub of the information that's also presented you know, digitally and stuff, just makes it a lot more rich and it makes it a lot more alive and a lot more conversational. And if I was going to take a course, that's what I would want. So that's what I built it that way. And, and so it's something that I do kind of like seasonally and, you know, I just put it out there and see who shows up and it varies from time to time. So when I feel like I'm not going to be traveling so much, I will bring that back to the forefront. I've got to keep my uh, ears and eyes peeled because I would totally, I mean, if it's an in-person thing, whatever, I'll figure it out. But uh, that would be an experience. I mean, ayahuasca, I haven't done. That seems like an experience. And this seems, it's weird because it's one thing to get like, you know, the sermon on the mount, but it's another thing to like hang out. I mean, this is a weird way to put it. And I'm not trying to, you know, bloviate your ego or whatever, but it's like, it's another thing to hang out with the dude washing your feet or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a different kind of experience. So, uh, and that's a Jesus all analogy of that shit. But um, I imagine that, yeah, participation with this program in terms of direct experience would probably be beneficial. I mean, just I, I, you've been doing really well since we're not in the same room, but I imagine this would be a more light, or, you know, as, as fun, if not more, if we were all hanging out. On a very yeah, practical whatever. note, of course, there are those individuals that are completely self-motivated and they will just, you know, somehow get the books and learn it themselves and have the perfect journey. They would still greatly benefit, of course, from talking to people with some experience, but especially those that are not willing to at least read one basic book on human design it's just too much data and too much detailed circuitry not that not anyone could gain something from it but it's just a completely different thing if you have an actual individual that can parse the information for you pattern it for you filter it for you and give you extra advice from their own experiences so it's yeah because i'm not a bird because I had heard of people just getting the data and then being like well what do i do with that if they're not completely self-motivated to study it it's just, you know, it's priceless Garden. to be to yeah. have someone who can channel that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, what's that's really, um, that's a really good way to put it. And I find that a lot of the people that participate in it are more on, you know, what we would classically say the right brain way of doing things like intuitives, artists, healers, 
you know, people who work with the ineffable and the intangible more than they do with logic and structure are the people that take my course. And I love that because they have the best questions. <laughs> and that brings more of my depth out of me, which is sat- just satisfying for me as, as somebody who's dedicated so much time and energy to this journey building a structure and holding a space for that receptivity you've been talking about you know i, th- mm-hmm. I think we're in a similar trade in a sense totally. <laughs> yes yes mm-hmm. that's what's up guys um so i mean yeah i'll definitely uh, you know uh we've got your website i think it was um hd maven i think i just saw it for a second ago yeah yeah. I think it's your website. I didn't put that Rob Mel did. So like news to me, um, I'll check out your website. Other people should totally do that themselves. Um, and yeah, are these happenings that you hold the, I mean, were those two times you did the course like in LA or like, where were you doing this kind of stuff? Oh, I actually did it while I was traveling. So I did oh. it partially from Costa Rica, partially from Mexico, partially from Hawaii. <laughs> so yeah. And, um, I, I want to be more grounded and rooted next time I do the course because it's just easier on me. <laughs> but sure. yeah, I'll be announcing that. And I want to say like, as much as I do have a website and that's great, like I am more of like actually talk to me kind of person. So mm-hmm. if you want to, if you find my um, Instagram, which is HD Maven, you know, at, or I think it's actually human design Maven, the, all the full words and reach out to me there. I'd much prefer that than just people like kind of walking up off the street and clicking buttons on my website. Um, Cause it is a personal experience for me. So I want to like know you and, and talk to you and not just have this kind of random things booking and stuff. So heard. Yeah. Drop me a line. Well, I really do appreciate you giving us your time and energy. Um, like I said, our kind of circles were kind of congruent uh, but now our paths have officially crossed so you're definitely team rabbit hole i mean clearly you're doing the work uh you're opening eyes and opening hearts it's it's always fun i mean it's like you look out and watch elections or you know news cycles or whatever it's like fuck and then we have conversations like this i'm like all right there's still hope like i'm not gonna let go yet um so i do appreciate you uh you know giving us your time if there's any kind of like it doesn't have to be like an epitaph of you know golden nuggetry or anything but uh any kind of parting thought or, or sentiment you can um, gush forth now. Just to remind people that there's nothing that you have to do in life. <laughs> and that's something that was really important for me to realize. I'm sure that was liberating to your cat moon and uh, all that energy for you. Just like, I, you mean there is the work isn't work and it's like optional. Oh my God. Pisces time. Yay. Uh, yeah. I really do appreciate you coming on here. Um, Raphael, any last thoughts? Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing all the, you know, both the insightful wisdom and also your experiences. I thoroughly enjoyed it, including the readings. Everyone reach out, you know, you can check out the website. I even saw you even have some booklets that people can get. But of course, as you said, best thing is to reach out directly and, you know, get into a proper relationship with yourselves, with your inner authority and your strategy. So everyone enjoy the process. (laughs) Thank you. Well said. Exactly. Guys, it's the it's the shifting of an aeon. So like I've said before, Reaper Chief's like further up and further in. There's nothing to really be afraid of except not participating fully. Like you were saying, our, our job here is to be as authentically fully engaged as we can be at any given moment. So really, what else would you be doing here? Enjoy the fucking ride. Boom. All right. Thank you so Thank you much. Thank you so much, guys. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We shall conclude and catch y'all in the now. Enjoy.